began a series last week entitled Heaven, about heaven. So I've got a question really just to kind of kick us off and get us started this morning, all right? How many of you want to go to heaven? Let me see your hands today, huh? Well, almost everybody, or right? How many want to go to heaven? I think there's always kind of this nod, right? There's this uh, almost instinctive reaction that happens in our life to that question uh, that yes, yes, I want to go to heaven. But as we talked a little bit last week, the crazy thing is that certainly as those of us who have committed to follow Jesus, that, that we all know like we have an understanding about where we are going to go, but the truth is, is that we don't really know a lot about heaven. That we want to go there, it's just that we don't know really what it's totally going to be about. I think that if I gave everyone an opportunity maybe to just kind of give us some explanation or some understanding uh, of what heaven's going to be like, or maybe even further, what eternity is going to be like, because there's kind of a part two to that, that even if we can begin to understand what heaven is going to be, our minds struggle a little bit to say, but, but what does that mean for all eternity? I told you over the last couple of weeks, uh, about a month ago, Debbie and I had a chance to uh, go to York, Maine uh, for uh, just a kind of a little getaway. We met some really awesome new friends, and they invited us to come uh, hang out uh, and just to enjoy. And listen, I I've heard about the rocky coastline of Maine for almost my whole life, but listen, pictures do not do it justice. I mean, it is an amazing, amazing place that when you ride kind of the coastline and, and it seems that every cove that you turn around, that the next vista is just more amazing than the one that you have just seen. But Debbie and I, uh, together, we had never been to Maine. And so part of the struggle of that trip was how to pack and how to prepare for a place that we had never been to before. And sometimes I think that about heaven. I mean, I believe that we all want to go to heaven, but there is a little bit of mystery that is involved in how to prepare and how to pack for heaven. We certainly have never been to. Kind of on the other side of that, usually when Debbie and I vacation, we often go back to the same location, many times we go back to the same resort. Now, for some people, you're like, oh, Pastor Jim, that's, that sounds boring, right? And I get that part. But, but the truth of going back to somewhere that, that you know and, and something that where you have been to before is that you know exactly what to expect, right? You know how to pack and you know how to prepare because even in your preparation, you're already imagining all of the things that you're going to do because you kind of have the experience of being there before. We know where everything is at. In fact, at this resort, we can even walk to the Cheesecake Factory. Come on, somebody, if you can't say amen in church, like the fact that you get to walk to a Cheesecake Factory, are you kidding me? And so while we are packing and while we are pre preparing, all of those thoughts and memories are flooding in our mind. And it just heightens our anticipation. We can't wait to get there. How many are with me this morning? You see, because we know what's there, it makes us long for and want to be there. 
But if we're honest this morning, most of us know very little about heaven. I think heaven is truly a place where mystery and majesty collide. I think that we get some big picture of the majesty of heaven, that there are scriptures that are written to us that that give our minds, each one of our minds, some idea of what the majesty of heaven is going to be. But yet there is a side of mystery. This this fact that we haven't been there, that, that we're not fully sure on how to prepare or how to pack. You see, the reason why we're taking these weeks to really talk about, investigate heaven is because there, there's something more. You see, heaven is not just this idea that provides us hope for the future. It's way more than that. You see, the hope of heaven really is to help prepare us for our presence. It's to help to secure your heart today. I'll be honest with you, it's going to be a little hard for me to fully describe heaven for all eternity. I think in a couple of weeks, we're going to make one of our text formats available. And I, I maybe, uh, maybe split our service up a little bit. And maybe you still do have a lot of questions about heaven. And so maybe over the next couple of weeks, we'll give you an opportunity to text into one of our numbers. And, and you can ask your question or questions about heaven. And it may be part of that service. I'll try to get through as many of those as possible. Just to try to give you some perspective and idea. As much as we can understand of what heaven is going to be like. We want to answer your questions. But more than anything else. We want you to be prepared today for eternity. That's really why the church exists We enjoy to be able to hang out and to do different events and activities together. But more than anything else, really our mission and our heart is that you are prepared for eternity. I talked to you last week that there are a couple of words that might be interchangeable for for the word heaven. And last week we talked about paradise. That that word paradise gives us some representation and understanding of just what heaven will be. And there are a number of things that I mentioned to you. That heaven, it will be a paradise of sights. And it will be a a paradise of sounds. The Bible says as the mighty throng uh, gather around the throne. And and the revelator said it, it was as a great multitude like mighty rushing waters were able to proclaim the, the spectacularness, the wonder of who God is, that it will be a paradise of stories, that we're going to be glad that our story is going to be told in heaven, and that we're going to have the opportunity to sit and listen of the amazing stories that have happened, uh, maybe in our lifetime and even before, of just how good that God has been. But I think the most valuable one. We spent quite a bit of time talking about it in our life group this past week. We kind of reviewed what those paradises would be. And I asked our group, I'm like, of all of the, all of the, the signs of paradise that we talked about, which one rang true more to you? And I would say overwhelmingly that heaven is going to be a paradise of peace. As we went around the room, there were so many that, would, that just said, oh, pastor, it's peace. It's peace to know that there is going to be time with Jesus and time in the heavenlies where I realize that all of the the calamity and the struggle and the stress of this life are going to be over. That heaven to me is going to be the idea of eternity in peace. So I want to dig in a little bit deeper on this idea 
of, of what is heaven for us and, and what does that mean for you and I this morning. And so as we go deeper, in fact, for those of you that have been around real life for a while, I know you hear us talk about our real life app. I'd love for you that uh, if, if you haven't downloaded that to, to do that, um, a lot of my notes are going to be there right now. We're going to put some up on the screen, but, but a chance for you to follow along with me. And, and the great part is not only in the service here, but but when you go to Life Group, you're going to have a lot of the notes today, all of the questions that you're going to talk through in your group, um, they are on there as well. In fact, there were a lot of people sitting around my living room this past week. They had their phones out, and they were just following along as we were just now engaging even thoroughly more about this idea of heaven. This morning as we get deeper, I want to talk to you about the theology of heaven. To help you understand that it's more than just some concept, that it's more than just something that, that seemingly is made up or where a lot of people are struggling to now even believe in heaven, what is the theology, what is the doctrine and the truth of heaven to help guard and secure our heart? As I've said to you as well, I think that when we hear the word heaven or we read that word in the Bible, it can mean maybe several things to us, that sometimes when we hear about the heavenlies, that I, I think that most of our, our mindset is to, you know, kind of think upward. The psalmist that he talked about, when I hear of the splendor of the heavenlies, right, and, and we, and we kind of have this picture that this miraculous, splendid view of what heaven is going to be. I've, I've mentioned already this idea of that it'll be paradise, that that we can use that word interchangeably. If you were in the Old Testament growing up, or if you were a Jew uh, in the Old Testament, and, and even we read this word in the Gospels in the New Testament, so their, their story goes all the way back to Abraham. And kind of in that Old Testament, old world culture, that, that when you died, that they often said that they went to Abraham's side or if you still read King James, um, that, that you went to Abraham's bosom when you died, that, 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 that you laid close to Father Abraham, that, that, that you wanted to go with your ancestors and that, that it was going to be the idea or the picture of heaven. So when we read the Bible, we get many different perspectives or words uh, that help us to describe heaven. So let me give you maybe this definition that will help us today um, and, and maybe again in, in our studies together as well. But let me define heaven for you this way. That is the location in which God directly manifests his presence. And, and this is even maybe more significant. And the dwelling where he got the theology of heaven. This second half of this definition is even more significant for us today. I think that we can all get the picture that heaven is the place of God's presence. You were probably told that maybe as a little kid or maybe you just figured that out, right? I mean, there's just enough culture around that gives us this picture that God is in heaven. But, but I also want you to understand in the theology of that, it is also the dwelling where his will is made complete, so there are a lot of books and descriptions and, and maybe the Bible that gives us an idea of like, well, well, what are the heavenlies or maybe even more, where is heaven? Well, Paul said this to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, really speaking of himself, that was caught up into the third 
heaven. How many have ever heard kind of this idea of like the third heaven, right? So, so kind of the description is, is that we kind of have this understanding that our sky, our atmosphere, we kind of have this tendency to look up and, and just kind of think, well, that's the, the beginning of the heavens, right? Kind of this out of our world, uh, out of our universe kind of experience. And so kind of that, that first layer, right, is our kind of world. But then beyond that, we learn in school that there are actually galaxies and universe, uni- and, and uh, let me get that word out there right, right? Uh, all of those atmospheres and places out there, the Milky Way, these galaxies that are, are, are far maybe even bigger. In fact, scientists say that, that there could be up to 100 billion other universes or galaxies apart from our own. I mean, how many think that puts into perspective just how big space, Right? All of this is, how, how small earth kind of fits in. I, I mean, just to even think a billion, let alone a hundred billion galaxies. And then there is this maybe third level where we think, and above it all sits the throne of God. That God in his immense power and his ability to speak and to command these galaxies and and universes into existence. And then in the midst of that, to create this Milky Way, and in the small throes of that, to create this terrestrial ball that we call home. And that yet within this, that he finds us, he creates us for himself. I would think today that maybe as we talk about the theology of heaven, that I might blow some of your minds this morning. So I want you to hang on, and and I want you to hear me out today. That some of you today may not understand, but there is going to be a heaven before you get to heaven. That we're going to go to heaven before you even go to heaven. So let's see what the Bible says. There is an initial heaven for those of us who follow Jesus. We get some of this big understanding. So John, who was really close to Jesus, we know him as John the Revelator, wrote the last book of the Bible, was able to be carried away by the Spirit and gives us some understanding, right, that he was able to somehow put into words what he was seeing in this awesome vision or this direction about seeing what heaven is all about. And right Towards the end of the revelation, he writes this. And then I saw what was first heaven and the first earth were passed away. We realize that in the theology of heaven, that there is still plenty more for us to come. Part of the struggle of us kind of all wrapping it up in a nice box and putting a bow on it is for us to realize, you mean everything that we know, and yet the Bible says there is still going to be more than we can even begin to understand of what it's going to be with at all. Now, so nobody is freaked out right now, okay? 
Let me give you this truth. You see, the present heaven, like our hope and our desire of one day going to heaven when we die, that we are going to be a part of what I will term a little bit of this initial heaven. So nobody panic. If you're a follower of Jesus, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. Everybody kind of go, whew, all right. Like, Pastor Jim, you had me worried there for a minute. Like, what is all this stuff you're talking about? So again, whether we call it paradise or heaven or Abraham's bosom, Abraham's side. In fact, we're probably going to talk in this series, the Bible says in eternity, that, that there's also another place that we are avoiding not to go. The Bible calls that place hell. Again, or Hades. Or in light of Abraham's side to the Old Testament Jew, it was known as Sheol. It was the place of the grave of eternity. But not for the follower of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5.8, the Bible says, Paul says, that we are confident. Everybody say that word confident with me and say it confidently. We are, we are confident that when we are away from this body, that we are going to be at home with the Lord. Can you say amen? Right? So again... When we go to heaven, we are going to go. When we die, we are going to go to heaven. But the theology of heaven shows us that that is only really going to be initial heaven. We know that we are going to go to be with the Lord. In fact, we read last week in Luke 16 when the thief on the cross said, Jesus, remember me, that Jesus said to him, what? Today you will be with me where? In paradise. So we know, again, for some of you that grew up maybe in, in room, that you don't have to wait for somebody to pay your way out of the waiting room to get to heaven, right, or pray you there. How many are glad to know today that Jesus is more than enough to make you get to heaven, right? He is all that we need. And so that when we leave this earth, we are going to be in the presence of Jesus and that we will be in paradise, but we realize that there is still time yet to come. The Bible talks about, in the believer's timeline, that the next thing to happen is the rapture of the believer or the rapture of the church. That Jesus, we believe, is coming back. We live as if Jesus could come back today. Well, at least most of us. Okay, well, maybe some of us. Huh? We have this knowledge, biblically, that Jesus is coming back and that there may be an opportunity, whether at this time, that we not see death, but that we are translated right into the presence of Jesus. But obviously, those that have gone before us will be seen that they will step through the portal of death to see Jesus, to go to heaven. But there is still time Yet to come. Revelation chapter 6, 9 through 11 says this. This again, the revelator seeing this, this picture being unfolded. That when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. And so they called out in a loud voice. Here's what we need to see. How long... Sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge. Everybody say that word with me. Until you judge. You see, this idea of what I would say to you of initial heaven until ultimate heaven is this idea 
of justice that God is going to bring upon the universe, the world as we know it today. It's a huge feature in us understanding the theology of heaven. How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer. You see, there are things that are still to come on the timeline until the end of all that we know is going to be finished and then God is going to usher in this new heaven and new earth. So we might ask, Pastor, why does this initial heaven or why would we see a a difference when we understand under this theology of heaven? What is the significance of this initial heaven versus ultimate heaven? Well, again, it's the theology that we understand. You see, we live in a time and we will yet for some time live where evil exists in our world. How many know that? And how many know that even if you die today, how many know evil is still going to live on for tomorrow or the next day or the struggle? Our world is full of evil. In fact, the Bible says that our world now is under the realm of Satan. And so for us to understand heaven, we are going to spend some time to recognize that, that there is a cosmic force that is play in our universe, in our world today, that of good and evil. In fact, 1 John 5 says, we know that we are children of God, yet however the whole world is under the control of the evil one. And we recognize that until we understand ultimate heaven that's why where it says to us in revelation chapter 6 that how long until you judge evil and judge the world and so heaven is not truly going to be heaven until god ultimately and finally judges evil the devil and all that has brought pain and calamity upon humanity from the beginning of time You see, it is the final judgment that is God's great finale. Revelation chapter 20 begins to help unpack for us this end of evil. How many say, man, I can't wait for that day? Right? For all of what is happening, that one day God is going to thrust evil into all eternity, ultimately separated from any idea or concept that we have. And from that time, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. I think Peter helps us that you say, Pastor, what is my part? Why do I need to know this? I think Peter, uh, again, gives us that direction in chapter 3 as it is titled in the Bible as the day of the Lord. There is going to be this day of judgment that is against Satan, that is against the devil, that is against evil, that has been on the heels of what God has wanted to do. The struggle why some of us, as we prayed about early, 
still deal with shame and lack of acceptance and struggle and, and pain and all of those kind of things is because of the influence of the evil one in our world today that wants to rob you and I of living the life complete and full of everything that God has done for us through the power of Jesus Christ and for you and I to live in the joy of the Holy Spirit to know that this is God's perfect plan for our life. But many times we feel a struggle. We feel a battle, right, that rages inside of us because the enemy wants to do everything he can to keep you and I from living the complete and full life that God has made available to us in Christ. And some of you know this. Tension inside of you. How can I be shaken free from this? You see, because evil is strong, and evil is powerful, and evil wants to rob you, not only of your life today, but evil wants to rob you of your eternity. That this story may not be your story. You see, the challenge is going to be that, I think, is not only who's going to get to heaven, but the challenge might be of the people that think that they're going to heaven that may not make it. You see, the New Testament is full of people that were assured that they were going to go to heaven. In fact, Jesus said it of himself until they showed up and they heard the words, depart from me, I never knew you. So if you think that you and I can just kind of mindlessly, aimlessly wander through life and that heaven's just going to be our home, unfortunately, I've got to tell you, you can be eternally mistaken with that reasoning. You see, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what God did for you through Jesus Christ. You see, that's why we have to understand, is heaven truly going to be my home? That's why it's so important to be in life group. We talk about these ideas. Well, well, pastor, I, I thought that really it was just kind of a buildup of, of doing good things. And, and my hope is, much like many false religions, as long as I do enough good stuff, sure, certainly I'll go to heaven. There's a couple of misconceptions in that. One of them being, you'll never know when you have done enough. Right, Our hope is only, I hope I've done enough, but I never really know. The truth of the gospel is, is because it doesn't depend on us. We don't have to hope if I've done enough. Our fact is, is that God has done enough for us through Jesus Christ, that that has been made complete in Him. Amen. And so we realize that my assurance has nothing to do with me doing more stuff. It's just recognizing that it's been done for me. But now I take the responsibility to raise the banner. Hello? And live as a follower of Jesus. Listen, I want to challenge you according to the scripture, not according to me. But I want you to know, are you living the life worthy of the banner that you carry? that I'm a child of God, that I'm a child of heaven. You see, as much as we don't want to hear it, I mentioned to you early, you see, heaven, unfortunately, involves judgments. Again, not to panic any of you that are followers of Jesus, but the Bible says that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, fortunately for us, it has nothing to do with our salvation. So everybody go, whew, 
So if you're a follower of Jesus and you stand before the judgment seat, it has nothing to do with you getting or not getting into heaven. You're going to get into heaven. But unfortunately, the Bible says that he is going to take an account about how we lived under the banner of the cross. Listen, if that shouldn't probably scare every single one of us, and, and I mean not scared in the sense of, you know, being scared, scared, but of just kind of getting our attention. See, your life matters if you carry the banner of the cross. Your words matter if you carry the banner of the cross. Your lifestyle matters if you carry the banner of the cross. Your reaction and your actions to people matter. Why is it getting quiet all of a sudden at real life? It matters if you're going to carry the banner of the cross. And so that none of you are shocked at the judgment seat of Christ. I Hopefully when you're in line, you're going to look at one another and go, Oh yeah, I remember that October. Pastor Jim told me about this. And God's going to have a little chat. You see, why does this matter? This is what Peter says to us. On the day of the Lord. Since everything... How much? Partial? Some stuff? Since everything will be destroyed, everything that we know of, one day will be destroyed. Since we know that now, what kind of people ought we to be? Second Peter chapter 3. Peter said, you and I should be living holy and godly lives. You see, we can't think about heaven without first asking ourselves the question, am I living a holy and godly life? Please don't tell me you want to go to heaven and you are not living a holy and godly life. You see, I realize that that might upset some of you today and I'm somewhat sorry for that. I'm not fully sorry, but I'm somewhat sorry for that. But here I've got to tell you the truth of Scripture. You see, it's not based on you trying to be good enough, hoping you're good enough, that you do enough things, that your family paid enough to the church, or whatever idea or concept that you have. But if you are not living a holy and godly life, none of us are going to see heaven. That day, the day of the Lord will bring about the destruction of the, read it with me, the destruction of the what? The heavens by what? By fire. You see, that's why we understand there is going to be an initial heaven, but there is going to be an ultimate heaven. One day on the day of the Lord, everything that we know is going to be destroyed by fire and the elements will melt in its heat. But keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to what? But keeping with his promise that we look forward to a new heaven. One that is not going to have any effect of evil. Can you say amen? That anything that we have horribly experienced in this life is going to be melted away, burned by the judgment fire of God. 
and that we are going to step into something that if you think the idea of the revelator in trying to blow your mind, it's going to be even better and newer and more amazing, that we are going to walk around the halls and the, uh, the understanding of heaven just being more mesmerized like Debbie and I driving up the coastline of Maine thinking, can it get any better and only round the next corner and say, oh my gosh, yes it can, and it's better here, and round the next corner, oh my gosh, it's better now, is going to be the story of you you and I in heaven, knowing that the cloak of the glory of his presence and the more we turn, the more we walk, the more we sing, the more we worship, the more we abide, it's going to be better and better and better and better in the throne of God and heaven for all eternity and eternity. And if we know that that's coming, then how should we be living now? We are to be called to live godly and holy lives. But keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, what? You see, this is the theology of heaven where righteousness, what? Abides forever and forever. What, what was the turning point? God putting away evil forever and forever. How does that come? By the judgment of God. And when evil is put to judgment once and for all, then God says, I'm going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And any concept or any idea that, that has harmed us, that has hurt us, that has challenged us, I don't know how to explain this fully, but we will have no concept or no idea that it even exists. I know some of us that have been hurt, right, and, and go through counseling, and, and, and we try to take steps that, how do we process this? How do we kind of push it away or deal with it, right? But how many know that no matter, as much as, as good as it can be, that our life and our memory and those kind of things, right? We know that God obviously can do miraculous. But we realize that don't many of us still live with memories, right? It's kind of like scars. Part, at some point, right, we realize that there was a, something that happened, it doesn't hurt anymore, right? We get to that point where, listen, I've gone through trauma, I've gone through struggles, I've gone through difficulty, but, but by the grace of God, I, I've made it through. But we realize, but I, it's a part of my story, right? How many are with me? We all have scars. We've all had stuff. And so I don't know if I can humanly explain to you there is a day that is coming where we are going to step into this presence of God, this new heaven, this new earth where righteousness dwells, that there will be an end to evil. There will be an end to the hurt and the harm and the pain and the suffering where there will be no memory. There will be no idea of what life used to be like it's going to be stepping into this blessed newness of the presence of God and God's wonderful family of over the ages in which we will enjoy to spend eternity knowing the peace and the presence of God Almighty. Come on, somebody say thank the Lord for that. That is what will be ultimate heaven. The new heaven and earth God creates or God reveals to us after all evil has been destroyed. You see, I told you that for the believer, the Bible speaks of the judgment seat of Christ. For the unbeliever that stands before God, the Bible describes that as the great white throne judgment. 
Again, let me be honest with you here today. If you find yourself in the line standing before the great white throne judgment, there is no help. There is no hope. That is part of the judgment that God will place against evil and those who rejected his salvation through Jesus Christ. That God has made at the end a time of judgment that will usher away everything that is an understanding or a concept for you and I today and then usher those who are following Christ into this new heaven and new earth that is beyond description. There is no way for me to fully, I don't even think John can fully describe for us what it is going to be like to step into heaven knowing that the past and the pain and the suffering and the problems are going to be dealt under the judgment of God ever to be done forever. You see, God created a place. Let me just kind of, sorry here a little bit. If we begin to create some kind of of understanding about how this is going to work for us today, we know that God initially for you and I created a place called Eden that was going to be a place of abiding for mankind, for you and I, that was going to be wonderful and spectacular and was going to provide everything that Adam and Eve could ever want or desire. But you know the story with me that sin entered the picture And this world has since ever been groaning because of the separation of God's full presence from the earth. You remember in Genesis 3, in chapters 2 and 3, that that it says that God would come down and dwell with them in the midst of the garden. Again, I don't even know that I could fully explain that to you. What would that feel like? What would that look like? What what would that experience really be like? But unfortunately, because of sin, God's presence cannot exist. This is the idea of judgment, and this is the idea of the new heaven and the new earth. Are you getting this with me? You see, God's presence cannot exist. So God loved us so much that even in our sinfulness, that he was going to make a way for us to get out. And ultimately, he did that through his son, Jesus. And then what he left for us after Jesus went back was the Holy Spirit. This presence of God that could abide within us. Although we live in an evil world, that the glory of heaven can still live inside of us. But I want you also to be reminded, if the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, we still have to carry the banner of the cross. You see, the Spirit of God doesn't abide in us when we are not righteously carrying the banner of the cross. And so I want to challenge the church, I want to challenge the believer again, just as God in his fullness could not exist totally with Adam and Eve, I want to be honest with you today. Neither does the Holy Spirit exist within us if we are not righteously following his word and his ways and calling ourselves a Christian. So does earth give us a glimpse of what ultimate heaven will be like? 
is God somehow going to mimic or mirror what he did to us originally and then allow us to have that idea into all eternity? It's a great question. We know that in God's creation and what is yet to come is going to be better than what we have experienced on this life. In fact, I kind of posed that question to our life group this last week in this idea of, of, of what is going to happen in heaven. What are we going... I think that's the big question for everybody, right? Again, what are we going to do for all eternity? And I know most people think, we're just, I guess we're going to church. Like it's just going to be this big praise fest because that's the glimpse that John had. How many know that John did not stay in heaven for like 100,000 years? He was only there a short time. It was just, he was carried away by the Spirit and he got a glimpse of what heaven is going to be. And I think, unfortunately, we have stepped into that to say, well, that's what it's always like then. Well, there's a lot of things that you and I walk into, right, that we could just say, oh, well, I'm all, I was only there for two minutes and this is what they were doing, so I guess that's what they do, right? I mean, some of you come to church and you think, like, well, Pastor Jim speaks on Sunday. Like, that's all he does. He only works one day a week, so that must be what a pastor does. You just work on Sunday and then you just kind of chill the rest of the week. That's Because that's all I see. Hello? But there's more. John gives us a glimpse. And certainly there is this thunderous worship and praise. But he wasn't there for multiple centuries. So the question is, what are we going to do in heaven for all eternity? In our group, a lot of people talked about, you know, it doesn't really matter Right? We're going to be worshiping. We're going to be praising. In fact, that's, that's all we're going to want to do. And that sounds good. And that could be it. We don't know. But if we could take with what we know and begin to apply it of, of what could it be, knowing that God created us for purpose and God created this relationship and this intimacy for purpose, I know that God created all of this around us that we see and that for the most part we want to enjoy that we get to enjoy god created eden for adam and eve not so that it was something that they got tired of but it was glorious how many say right in fact there was just again just one awesome vista after another it provided everything that they needed and the other part of Eden was it was a place where God would come and commune with them. So how was the earth originally created for Adam and Eve, for followers of Jesus, his people? It was to provide everything we ever needed and a place for us to hang out with God. Yes? Did Adam and Eve, from what we know in Scripture, did Adam and Eve sit around in a concert and worship God all day? Right? No. We have Scripture that shows us that. That they didn't just like, oh, right? They didn't go into the pit, right, Lauren, for a worship concert, right? Get close to the stage and just hang out, you know, and just listen to the music and 
Listen to the worship of heaven. Hang on with me. What did they do? They had jobs. Are you kidding me? They had work to do. Now, I know some of you are hoping that heaven's going to be better, right? Ain't no way I'm working in heaven the rest of my life. I'll tell you that right now, right? What did God create for his people? He created them jobs and work and purpose. God told Adam what? Go name all the animals. I mean, how kind of cool and ridiculous is that? God created all of the animals and then he let Adam, like, go name them. What? Like, I get to come up with the names? Yeah, whatever, like, whatever you call them, that's what they're going to be. They had work. They had purpose. In fact, God told them to what? Go and take dominion. Yes? In fact, if you'll read in Matthew chapter 19, the story of the rich young ruler, we kind of know the first part, right? Kind of this cocky guy comes to Jesus. He has all this money, all this inheritance, and and he says to Jesus, like, hey, what do I got to do to get to eternal life? And Jesus says, all right, just go and sell everything that you have and come and follow me. He's like, okay, I'm not doing that. Right? And so Jesus talks to his disciples about what has just taken place. Here's the part that we miss in the story. And so Peter says to Jesus, listen, Jesus, we left everything to follow you. What is there going to be for us to do when we come into your kingdom? Like, hey, like, like we've been working alongside of you. Like, we've put everything at risk. We've put everything at hold. We've walked from everything else. So what is there going to be for us when we get to heaven? And Jesus said, truly I tell you that at, at the renewal of all things. Hello? How many are still unsure that it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth? Jesus said, when we redo everything in heaven, and we're all there, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, when does Jesus sit on his throne? When the judgment of evil has been pronounced. He sits on the seat of authority. And the Bible says that the devil and the evil are thrown into the abyss, into the lake of fire forever and forever and forever. You who have followed me now we'll also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So what does he tell the disciples? <laughs> You're not going to be floating around on clouds playing a harp in heaven. You've got work to do. There is going to be things that you will accomplish and things that you will do in heaven. Let me begin to wrap up. I think that of all the pictures that we have of heaven right? Those who have had glimpses of heaven speak about it as if it is in earthly terms, and obviously so that we can understand. Heaven is described as a city in Hebrews 11, for he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. They talk about it being a country. Instead, they were longing for a better country a heavenly one. So again, it helps to frame for us that we're not just going to be on clouds or just in a throne room someday, but we realize there is going to be this vast expanse, cities and 
countries and places to be. In fact, ultimately, the Bible says that you and I will be residents and citizens of heaven. In fact, David probably travels more than anybody here today, and we think that I did a little research that having an American passport is pretty valuable, which it is, but actually the Japanese passport is the most valuable. You can get into more countries, 193 of them with a Japanese passport, stronger, more powerful than any passport on earth at this time, where you are welcomed. But I want every one of you to hear me today. Those of you that are followers of Jesus are going to have the greatest passport of all of eternity. The Bible says, but our citizenship, come on church, our citizenship is in heaven as we eagerly await our Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are going to be able to go through the expanse of eternity, wherever it is, as a citizen of heaven. That we are going to go wherever it is, wherever we can, knowing that our citizen is pa- our, our passport is stamped, that we are welcomed because we have awaited and we have anticipated what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. I don't know, Joss, Adria, if you want to help me quick. Let me just finish with these two thoughts today. So let me ask you, get, get some responses here this morning. What do you love here on earth? Not a trick question. I mean, are there are things that you love here? Sure we do. What are the things that we love here on earth? Well, I think if I was going to find out from you what is it that you would love, I would quickly go to your social media page. Because that's where we all put out what we love, Right? You love people, and your pages are filled with relationships and the people in your life. You like places and travel. I know I selfishly, everywhere I go, want to take a picture of some place that's really cool, and I want to put it on my social media, what? To let everybody know, look where I am, right? Because I'm happy to be there. Some of you like your pets. Some of you like your pets way too much. And you put them in, oh, he's in a silly hat, and oh, look what he did, and look at them fighting, and look at, you know, I'm like, all right, enough, I see. Some of you like food and restaurants. Hello? Some of you, it's your coffee. Well, let me ask you a follow-up. What do you hate about this earth? Well, I think we'd probably all say, Pastor, I hate sickness. I hate death. I hate pain. I hate people who don't turn right on red. Sorry, just speaking the truth. I know that's one of yours, isn't it? Yeah. We hate tough relationships, bad days. We hate cancer. There are a lot of things on earth that we hate. So stay with me today. We don't believe that any of those are going to heaven. Would you agree? 
How many think cancer is going to be in heaven? How many think bad days are going to be in heaven? How many think pain is going to be in heaven? No, we don't believe we don't believe that at all. Then why is it so hard for us to believe that there will be things that we enjoy in heaven? Not sure if it's going to be coffee or all that other stuff, but I want you to wrestle with how is it that I don't believe all the things that I hate aren't going to be in heaven, yet I struggle to envelop all the things that I love that I'm not going to do any of that for all eternity as well. You see, we know it's going to be better. We know that God gave Adam and Eve the opportunity to enjoy fully the world that he created for them, to work it, to have dominion. We won't have that part in heaven. We'll get to enjoy the dominion of Christ. But there's an opportunity to know that we are God's workmanship created for him. So here's the bottom line today. You see, we're not studying heaven only so that it will change our future. We're studying heaven so it will change our presence. So I hope that you heard a lot today, maybe a lot to unpack in Life Group this week about the theology of heaven. Some things that you didn't know, some things that maybe you still don't agree with me about, that's okay. There's a lot to try to unpack when we talk about heaven because none of us have ever been there. But the biggest question that we have to answer is, is it, have I done what God has required for me to go there. That's one thing that you can't disagree with me on. Jesus said that he is what? The only way to heaven. And the only way to heaven is to be able to ask Jesus to come into our heart. And once we have done that, you see, unfortunately, that's not quite all. That once we have asked Christ to come into our life, is that from that moment forward, then we strive to raise the banner and we live under the banner of the cross. You see, in this life, that's still going to be tough because why? Although we live in the world, we are not of the world, that we know that the dominion of the world is under the authority of the evil one. And so we are raising the banner in an evil place and it's hard and I get that. It's hard for you, it's hard for me at times. That's why God gave us his Holy Spirit to abide within us, that we listen, and that we follow his commands in our life. And I think most of you would agree, things that we shouldn't be doing, it's not because we didn't know, it's because we're refusing to listen to what the Spirit of God is trying to get us to move away from. And so I want to pray with you as we close today. I want to pray for some of you today that maybe have never asked Christ into your life. You see, I can't talk to you about heaven without challenging you that today is the day of decision. I can't talk to you about a day that is yet to come when the only way to get there is to deal with the day of today. That today you and I can pray to know that we have Christ in our life. Some of you that maybe have known Christ but you are not walking under the banner of the cross, I want to pray for you today. You're struggling you're fighting. Today's a day to surrender, to take up the cross. And I want to pray for those of you here today 
Listen, don't be downcast, oh my soul. Put your hope in heaven. Put your hope in the Lord. Yes, it still might be tough for another 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, but I can tell you one day it's all going to change. That all of this stuff, you're not even going to know it even existed. There's going to be nothing but glory and peace and praise and the amazing vistas to be in the presence of God forever and forever. So Father, I pray with our church today. I thank you for this study in heaven. It's challenging at times. We think that we, we certainly know the big picture, but trying to understand it in its depths with theology, we realize there are still some challenges with it. I pray first of all that there may be those here today that don't know Jesus personally, that have asked Jesus said they've never asked him to come into their life to forgive them of their sin. That simply today we say by accepting the fact that I can't do it but only Christ. That I believe in the work of the cross and what Jesus did for me changes me from the inside out. And that I confess that today I've asked Christ to come into my life to be my Savior. Some say it's just the ABCs of salvation. I've accepted, I believe, and today I confess you as my Savior. I pray for others who have done that at some point but have been challenged by the power of evil in the world that are not living fully under the banner of the cross. We know we're playing games with our salvation. And so God, I pray for those that might find themselves struggling in this moment today. God, that you will again reveal yourself. Let the joy of their salvation Amen, church? Let the joy of my salvation once again move me, drive me into the greater things of God. And Lord, I pray today that you will help all of us be ready and prepared for the day of the Lord. That today we are living holy and godly lives. So I pray this upon our church, this house, those that are watching today, that we would understand the hope of heaven that you have made available to us today pray this in Jesus' name.